Yes, g'day and thanks for tuning in to the latest edition of the Duck and Rico's Red Dirt Podcast. This week broadcasting back at Duck Creek Central. How good is it up here on the banks of the Hawkesbury River? And uh, we will tell you about a few things that are going on around the place as well uh, as we get into it. Now this week we'll take a look at the man behind the Royal Flying Doctor Service. We'll have a chat about the Dowling Track and it'll be getting pretty warm out that way as well. We'll touch a, a touch, have a bit of a touch on the uh, upcoming four-wheel drive show in Adelaide, which I'm off to next week. We'll also shoot the breeze. We'll talk anything about the Australian outdoors and maybe about anything else that we can make up on the run. And um, we will get sidetracked. We usually do. So if you want to spend a bit of time with a couple of knockabout blokes, here we are. We are just doing the best we can. And I've got my mate Rico here. Mate, how are you going, pal? Mate, sweating up a storm here. It is a cracking day on the Hawkesbury. Yeah, it's warm out here, mate, isn't it? It's lovely. Just beautiful. Yeah, it, uh, mate, it's, mate, you know what? Summer's coming. Too right. I think it's going to be a stinker. Yeah, you'll love it, mate. You've got to love it. Oh, for sure. Eh? Imagine what it's like up north now. Oh, mate, you're getting real warm up there. Yes. Eh? We're getting nice the, well, I saw some of the temperatures up in Queensland but, but just for today, and it's pretty hot. So, um, mate, happy days. I'd rather. I reckon it's good. Don't you? Oh, mate, I, I'm, I can go either way. I don't mind it when it's cold. Yeah, I don't mind it when it's cold, but I prefer the warmer weather in the summer. And I mean, We went for a big run on the jet ski the other week. That was good. You know, yeah, well, you don't do that too often in winter. I can tell you, you no, do. I'll but, bet. <laughs> well, you do, but you, you do, but it's not as good as when it's warm. And man, I was surprised at the water temperature on the on the Hawkesbury. Is it a, good? A couple of us, us geriatrics, mate. We got out there. Yep. The old geriatric jet ski team. I'll just fix my microphone up here while I'm you on know, the run here. Not too worried about the bull sharks out there. Well, you don't fall off, mate. And I've never seen a bull shark in the river. I'm, I'm sure they're there, especially where we were. But uh, mate, I've never seen one. So, sort of, does it discourage you from jumping in for a swim? No. No? No, it wouldn't bother me either. No, not at all. I mean, we've driven the jet skis out in the ocean, mate, and there's plenty of sharks out there. We've never worried worried about it too much. Yeah, I used to take my kayak out in the ocean as well. Yeah, I don't know about doing it on a kayak. Yeah, it's a bit silly. Yeah, I mean, bugger that, you're kidding, aren't you? Yeah, one, one minute you're sitting in the bottom of the trough and all you can see is the green water around you. Yeah. And then, well, then all of a sudden you're on top of that and, you know, you've got a view for miles. I I've told the story before. A mate of mine, Rocky, from the Central Coast, we were out early one morning out off North Entrance. And there were hammerhead sharks out there, and um, he dropped his sunglasses, and and he dived off the jet ski in to get them. And I said, "Mate, you're mad." And you know the best part? They were survey sunnies. <laughs> anyway, ain't on your Rocky. <laughs> I know he's not listening to this. He's a good oh, man, but uh, mate, he used to uh, he used to get out there. We, we'd get out there every morning after a run. It was great. And uh, so now we've got the. Uh, all the old blokes down there at Wiseman's Ferry, and mate, I just want a bit. I'm just on that. I'll give a bit of a shout out to Two Decks, who's uh, he's got a van down there. He's um, Who's him and he, two, him, two, two, two decks. Decks, right. Decks, I, I get it sure, right. Wasn't sure what you said. There. Two decks. Now, um, he's a VB loving um, Aussie, who um, recently bought a van alongside his wife Denise or partner, and um, I, th- I actually think it might have been more Denise than Two Decks. And um, so they've got, they got the van down there, like a little permanent site, but it's got two decks. There's one at the front and one at the rear. What do the Kiwis say when you introduce your mate to them? They laugh. This, this mate, is my you mate. Mate, two decks. This is my mate, two ducks. This is, he's, got a, he's got a VB friend in the fridge. <laughs> he can't be that silly just playing with one. He loves the VB, two decks, and he's, uh, he's down there. So in the morning, he sits on the front deck. 
And in the afternoon, he sits on the rear deck. So I said to him, mate, your new name is Two Decks. His name, nickname was Jacko. Real big at RG McGee's pub in Richmond, New South Wales. Uh, you'll find him there most afternoons, I think, and uh, enjoying the uh, enjoying the coldies. And um, anyway, he's a lovely partner, Denise. He's having a birthday soon. I think there's going to be a big celebration down there. And I think it's when I'm in Adelaide. So I don't think I'll be there for it. But... Um, I'll send the missus down for that one and she can represent me. Nice. <laughs> Hope she's got her drinking boots on. Oh, well, well there you go. So, um, so yeah, so we're there talking with Jacko when I said, mate, we've got a new name for you, son. Two Decks. Two Decks. So Two Decks is down there and he observes from the bank basically everything that goes on down there and um, he watches us put the jet skis in and take off and we went for a great run. There was only, there was only three of us. I think there's what five or six members of the little club we've got going. Yeah. And uh, but three of us went for a bit of a spin up to um, just up right down the bottom bit of the Hawkesbury into the Barrow Water sort of in there and out. Yeah, and nice. I've, I've not done any jet skiing. I, I do like the idea of it. No, they are very very good. I've had them for years and uh, they are a lot of fun. So love to get one and set it up for fishing. Uh, well, they're easy to do now. You can buy them set up for yeah. fishing now. So yeah, uh, that'd be a bit of me, mate. I used yeah. to do it on the kayak. I had a, yeah. a pretty flash kayak. It was one of the pedal jobs, so your hands were free, but. You cover a lot more ground on a jet ski. Well, the good thing with the jet skis, it doesn't really matter how rough it is out in the ocean. Yeah, you go. Yeah, I mean, no, uh, I'd be into that. Don't worry. Um, so, um, mate, they're a pretty good thing. And um, well, I've had, like I said, we've had them here for years. I mean, my young bloke first went on the jet ski when he was 17 months. Oh, well, there you go. By the time he was, and that was just to sit on the front with me and, you know, putt off. But by the time he was two, we were going a bit quicker. Yep. And, uh, mate, at the age of about, geez, he was young. Uh, mate, we, we had him out in the surf. You know, he loved it. I mean, he's grown up with the thing, you know. And yeah. a lot, and it's good to get the kids into stuff early. And the beauty of it, I mean, he 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 came and picked it up from Wiseman's for me. And uh, I, because I, uh, I, I had the van on and I took one vehicle down. And when I got back, he wasn't here. So he's then taken it for a spin somewhere himself. <laughs> but he's very, very responsible with it. Like, he understands that... Um, you know he's been brought up with it, so he oh, knows he knows what the what the you Second know what nature. you can do and what you can't do, and don't be silly on it. So um, he, he finally got back here, and I said, "Where have you been?" He goes, "Oh, we went for a bit of a ride." Yeah, I'll yeah, tell you what, mate, so. I can't wait till my kids have got licenses and can do all my running around for me. Yeah, well, mate, I do. Well, you're probably like me. I did a lot of running around for both of them, and um, oh yeah, that never ends. And um, and then and then I remember the first time he picked me up from the pub when he got his license. And I said, "This is the first of many, <laughs> you owe me, son. And uh, he goes, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah so, uh, but, mate, no, he's, in it. he's good. So, mate, yeah, he came and he picked, he, he came down and he picked the jet ski up and then when I finally got back here, I thought, mate, where is he? Where's the jet ski? Oh, Jerry'd. And uh, I didn't care too much. I've told him, just take it whatever you want rather than sit here because we yeah, don't, it's right. the thing with the jet ski is you don't ride it all. It's not as if you're riding it every day, even though we live out here yeah. and I can have it in the water within 10 minutes here, but, you still don't get the time to go out every single day on it. And no, uh, what I love are the early morning rides. This time of year, as it warms up a bit um, in summer, it's nothing for me to. We'll take the jet ski down and put her in at six in the morning and just go for a burn down straight down the river. Yep. You know, and um, and then come back and then you make your back at home. And you know, within a couple of hours, you, you think you've done something for yeah. the day. You know, oh, it'll be good daylight savings as well. Yeah, we've had plenty of runs down. We've made a lot of people use the river on daylight savings. It's good. And then you see a lot of people skiing down there and water skiing and all that. So, uh, no, it's good. Yeah, daylight savings, I'm a fan of daylight savings. Oh, I love it. And, and mainly for those reasons. I think the, the only trouble is you just want to drink every afternoon. 
which is a bit of a, which is a bit of a problem. You get yourself in a bit of strife. Yep. But um, but no, all all very very good, mate. So mate, what are we uh, talking about on the podcast today? We're going to do the history of well, the man behind the the Royal Flying Doctor Service. So um, you know, there's a bloke who started the thing up, but actually before the Reverend John Flynn, and a lot of people would have heard of John Flynn. Before he actually uh, founded the Royal Flying Doctor Service, there was a bloke who, who gave him the idea and, and he they, they spoke a lot about it. So, really, it was born with that bloke and that's who we're going to talk about. Yeah, right, okay. Um, all right, because, mate, it's, it's a very big part of what goes on in the rural Australia these days, the Royal Flying Doctor Service. I mean, oh. how many lives do you reckon they've saved? Oh, countless. Yeah, countless. I mean, incredible, really. Yeah, they so, do amazing work. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we'll do. We'll have a chat about that. I, I know we were starting to talk about Traxic the other week, and I thought, why not um, have a bit of a chat about um, the Dowling Track, which isn't too far from here. It's just down the other side of Burke and takes you up through to Tharkaminda and stuff. Yep. It's not a bad little run out through there, a couple of pubs. I haven't done that one. Haven't you? Yeah, no, no it's a beauty. I've done it a couple of times. And then when you go through Forge Bridge, you can camp at Kilcarra. Yep. It's all part of it. I might learn something. This would be good. And, um, and like you say, when you, and you get to the... Um, Get to the uh, the Hungerford Hotel, which is an old Cobb and Co station. And yep. It's just it's a it's an easy run. You can do it. It's not you don't, it's not extreme at all. Uh, it's just a dirt road, really. But you go through some old there's a bit of history out there. Yep. So we'll have a bit of a chat about that. You know, and like we said, we will get sidetracked here as well. We'll talk a little bit about the four wheel drive show in Adelaide, uh, where we'll be next week. And the one thing you'll notice, Rick, today I've got a new phone here. Right. You, go, you are as flash as a rat with a Oh, no, well, it's phone. really the same as what I had, except it's just bigger. And, um, it's a lot shinier. Well, well, it is, and the cover's new. And um, unlike other things that get smaller with age, the phones <laughs> seem to get bigger. So the... Um, I'm going to leave that right alone. And I've got to say to you, and I said this to you the other day, phones, when people buy a phone now, the last thing they're really buying it for is to speak on it. Yeah, that's right. Well, we spoke about this on the radio, didn't we? Mm. Very briefly. I mean, um, I mean, we'll talk a bit about that. I mean, you can email us and tell us what you use your phone for. In fact, you'll probably send the email from the phone. No doubt. Um, and I mean, it's amazing now what, what people do with uh, with mobile phones. And I think the the very least they do on it these days is actually make phone calls. Yeah. Which seems <laughs> well, a bit well, stupid, we, really, doesn't it? Well, we said on the radio, if... Um, you know, if you're not using it to make that many phone calls, but you're using it for everything else, why is it called a phone anymore? That's why, right. Why, why don't we call it something else? Mm. So we'll have a bit of a chat about that and whatever else is going on. But uh, like we say, and the fact that it's warming up, a new little beauty. And uh, and we'll tell you about a couple of special radio shows that are coming up too soon over the next couple of months. We've got one big one in December and a couple of big ones in January, which I'll tell you about. Yeah, mate, that December one, count me in, I'll be there. Yeah, the country Christmas. Ten minutes from home. Yeah, Try absolutely. Try and stop me. And uh, I've got a meeting down at the pub this afternoon, and it looks like it's all happening down at the Hawkesbury Hotel. Yes, yeah, so a meeting in inverted commas. Oh, no, no, meeting. no, mate. I've got, yeah. Mate, I've got a meeting there at quarter to five and another meeting back out here at six. So I won't be down there on the drink, but... Um, It'll be a good thing. It'll be a big day, and uh, we've got rough stock lined up to play. We're talking to some other people about playing there, and we'll do a four-hour country music radio show from the pub live. Oh, magnificent. Through Kicks Country Radio, which will beautiful. be fantastic. So beautiful. it's about 60 stations or whatever it is, plus NTS, digital in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, and Perth. So uh, it'll be a big day. So uh, we'll talk to you a bit about that as well. In the meantime, Rico, I suppose that uh, we should probably just get right into it, eh? All right, mate. Well, let's do that. Okay, we'll do that right now. So, mate, the um, 
The Royal Flying Doctor Service. There's a man behind the whole idea. What a great, what a great bloke he must have been. Yeah, and mate, a lot smarter than a lot of people that are making decisions on things today. Well, mate, he he certainly had a lot of foresight, didn't he, to uh, to come up with the idea for this. Now, this is a young bloke. His name was John Peel, and and it was his vision that played a massive part in the inspiration and planning of what became the Royal Flying Doctors. So, a lot of people have heard of Reverend John Flynn, who in 1917. Um, he received an inspirational letter from Lieutenant Peel. So he was a young airman and a war hero, and he suggested the use of aviation to bring medical help to people in the outback. Now, Peel himself had been a Victorian medical student, and he was also a big fan of John Flynn's book, which was called The Northern Territory in Central Australia, A Call to the Church, which he read it over and over and over again and completely studied it. Now, according to his family, it inspired his interest in, uh, in that work. And it, and it set, set him thinking about the logistics of how Flynn would be able to provide more help to people over a wider area, considering how widely dispersed people are in the outback of Australia. So, you know, Australia, well, now is a, a nation of, what, 24, 25 million people yeah, or something. Certainly and, grown. And, and 85 to 90% of them live within 100 kilometres of the coast. Mm. Um, it's actually one of the... Australia's one of the least um, populated countries in the world. Mm. And, and and we're so widely sort of spread out. So as you can imagine, the logistics would, would be massive to, to be able to get help to people in, you know, Western Queensland, in Eastern WA and everywhere in between. It's, it's pretty immense. So the Australian Imperial Forces were searching for candidates for their newly formed Australian Flying Corps in 1917 and, and this young bloke, Peel, he volunteered and was selected for flying training at the flying school in, in Laverton in Victoria. And um, while he was there, the, the bringing together of aviation and healthcare come to mind for him. It's, that's where it was all born. So he sent a letter to the Reverend John Flynn, who, uh, whose work in the outback with, with helping people out was fairly well documented by this time, suggesting that aeroplanes could be used. Now, at the time, these were still, you know, air, aircraft and, and air flight was, air travel was in its infancy. So they were very novel machines. Um, but at the same time, if you thought about it, they could carry healthcare, all the gear you need and the people to the widespread areas. So Flynn thought this was a great idea and wrote back with a, with a fair bit of interest. And together, they, they worked on the ideas. Now, whilst he was on board, the HMAS or HMAT, Nesta, bound for UK, uh, he wrote a fairly detailed letter with, with a lot of insight and outlined the costs and advantages of running aeroplanes compared with the disadvantages of travel on the ground, which was immense back then, especially in summertime and things like that. Um, unfortunately, Peel didn't live to see how successful his idea was. Uh, tragically, just 13 months later after he sent that initial letter, and just weeks before the end of World War I, uh, on the 19th of September 1918, his RE-8 aircraft disappeared during a patrol in France. So he was, uh, he was killed in action, died at just 24 years of age. He's unbelievable. The fact that at such a young age he'd come up with that idea anyway. That's right. So mm. he, he never knew that his letter became the blueprint for the creation mm. of the Flying Doctor Service. Um, had he lived, there's no doubt he would have returned from the war and helped Flynn build the Royal Flying Doctor Service that, you know, with, with the vision that he'd foreseen. Uh, however, he, he had succeeded in conveying this brilliant idea to the Reverend John uh, and he was able to bring it to life, thankfully, which mm. is great because, as we said earlier, they've gone on to, to help tens of thousands of people over the years. Yeah. Uh, it took another 10 years as Flynn campaigned 
for an aerial medical service to start. Um, and obviously it's taken off and it's doing well. So the RFDS now have over 70 aircraft operating from 23 bases across the country. Uh, the Royal Flying Doctor Service, cop this, is Australia's third largest airline. Yeah, right. There you go. Uh, and they... they um, how many planes do they have? I don't know how many planes they, they have. have they have a few. I mean, wouldn't they? Well, if they're the third largest airline, they'd have quite a few. Well, apparently they help over 350,000 people a year. It's amazing. So there you go. That's uh, that's the vision that was uh, a young bloke by the name of Peel. Uh, he, he managed to get that idea to the right person and... The Reverend John Flynn, well, as they say, the rest is history. He he brought it to life. Mm. Just a shame that um, that Peel was never uh, around to to see his idea come to fruition and and see how successful it became. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, which is and these days, I mean, uh, I mean, last year, have you ever looked in at one of them planes? I had one set up at um, at the Adelaide Four Wheel Drive Show last year, and uh, mate, it's amazing. If you go in, you can get. You had, they had one there. Basically, what it was, it was just the body of the plane. Yep, and people could go in and have a look at the setup in it. I mean, mate, not a lot of room in there, but geez, a lot of gear. Yeah. yeah. And, well, uh, you you never know what what the call is going to be and what you're dealing with. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And uh, like you say, and you look at some of the roads out in the outback, and, even, and you'll see where the where sections of the road are, are basically part of a runway for yeah, that's right. So you get for them and for anybody else that needs to land there, I guess, for an emergency. Um, the Streslecki track has a, a number of runways dotted along there. Yeah. Um, also handy for overtaking trucks and stuff, which is great, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. I know on the Stewart Highway between, uh, oh, when you're driving south or north or whatever, uh, there was a lot of a lot of that where uh, the planes, especially the Royal Flying Doctors, land out there. And Yeah, and most yeah. of those outback stations have their own airstrips too. Mm. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Well, I know Kilcara does. And I yeah, know um, Trilby, uh, Trilby does. certainly does. Yep. Yeah, I mean... Uh, in fact, I think Trilby on another property or the or somewhere else on the property, they have another one. They have a couple. I yeah. think the sun flies in Wednesday night for tea. Yeah. From his joint. <laughs> Unbelievable, isn't it? Uh, it's a different world, mate. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I reckon so. World. But the Royal Flying the, the uh, Royal Flying Doctors, I mean, they provide they've provided a fantastic service now for years and years and um Well it'll be over a hundred years now, right? Yeah, it'll be uh, very close. And uh, and certainly a, a part of the Australian um Rural community now, they're a, they're a necessity. I mean, that's just there. I mean, it's an yep. emergency service. I'm not sure how much. I'm tipping there would be some funding comes their way via the um, the government. I know a while back we spoke about doing some stuff on the radio with them, and um, in an effort to get people to yeah, well, donate. I know there's a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of people, especially in rural communities, have charity events and stuff where they donate money to it. Yeah, well, most of the country pubs you see. Yeah. Uh, also have a lot of those sort of things, you know, and, and some of them have a bit of fun with it as well. They might have a, a great big long sign on the wall, and if you ask what the sign's all about, then you've got to donate uh, at uh, the corner store, at Cameron Corner. They've got yeah, a, right. a funky way of doing it as well. They they give you a coin and a thumbtack, and you've got to stick the note and cash up onto the roof. I was very sad to hear our mate out there passed away at Cameron's Corner. He did, did he? I did hear that. I don't know if that's. Oh, no. well, I hope that's right. Finn, but Finn, I, his name I, is. I heard that. I don't know whether that's right, and uh, but I did. If, if it's I, not right, I apologise, Finn. Great character. Yeah, I, I knew he was ill. Uh, we had him on the radio a couple of times with Ruthie, and uh, mate, what a character! Oh, he's a champion. Great bloke. And but mate, if I've got that wrong, I mean, mate, I apologise, but I did hear that somewhere or some saw that uh, somewhere, or someone will correct us or fill us in on that. But mate, a great. Great character, one of the many characters you'll meet out um, in the outback 
Yeah, and, that, and that, especially Cameron's corner. I mean, he, I remember one he was talking to us one night about how um, he got to celebrate three New Year's Eves. He tried to get us out there. He's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, about that. Yeah, so um, he, he, he said it was always a big night there on uh, on New Year's Eve, but we... Um, I'm pretty sure, man. I, I did see that somewhere. I'm just I'm, doing a quick search on yeah, the interwebs. Yeah, do a quick search and see if he, and uh, I mean, hopefully I'm wrong, but I did see that somewhere, and I mean, there was word around that he was cooking. I think they were looking for someone to, to take yeah. over the um, yeah, I, take I over the that. shop for a while. So, but anyway, and, and aren't those those places like Cameron's Corner and them sort of shops? Aren't they a welcome when you're side, side for sore eyes oh, when you turn up mate. there? Hey, that they're just the 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 oasis that you read about, you know, the oasis in the outback. That's yeah, you turn up, you um, you, you get out there and you're in the middle of nowhere and all of a sudden you trip over a place like that and it's fantastic. I'll never forget when we were at Cameron's Corner one day and um, I had to laugh. We'd been um, we'd been to Birdsville and we'd come back down and went, went along um, Walker's Crossing into Winnemincka and then down the Streslecky, you know, we found our way into Cameron's Corner and you talk about airstrips. Where's the airstrip there? Not far away. No, it's not too far away at all. Right, because walking up the to the wards, the you know the roadhouse slash pub. Yep. Were these two well, two well-to-do looking couples? Let me put it that way. <laughs> a bit older, dressed to the nines, dragging the suitcase with wheels in tow. <laughs> and I, I thought like something that, out of a movie, mate. The things you see out there, mate. I've got to tell you, just on Walkers Crossing. I mean, you talk about things that you see out in the out in the outback, and that'd be something we could touch on one day. What are the funniest things you've seen out there, or the strangest thing you've seen out there? Um, we were driving across Walkers Crossing. Now there'd been a fair bit of rain, and it had been closed, and then it had reopened the day. We went, you still had to do a lot of diversions, you had to go around a lot of water and yeah. stuff. So for people it, who don't know, that's between Inaminka and the Birdsville track. Yeah, yeah, that's it, yeah, right. So we're going across there, and it's a fairly remote part of the country. I mean, you're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and basically the track was a bit, It was look, parts of it were very difficult to even see um, because it had that much rain out there. And, and even though they'd had a lot of rain, it had been, that part was a bit dusty. Then you got to all these water sections you had to get around. Yeah. Even on some parts of it, we were in four-wheel drive to get on some of the diversions, right? So we're driving along, coming the other way with two blokes in an Audi sports car. <laughs> and they said, you know, we, they sort of, you know when you pass someone, you sort of both stop? Yeah. And I said, what's doing? <laughs> and they said, how far to... And, they, and I can tell you now, these two blokes did not like the sort of blokes that would be out in the outback without going too much into it. And they said, mate, now, can we get to Birdsville from here? And I said, yeah, just keep going to get to the end, mate, and turn right. And I thought, geez, you wouldn't, that very rare you'll see a car like that out here. Like it was a black Audi sports car, lowered the whole thing with the big wheels and all the tricks. Yep. And then I thought, oh, well, the track can't be too bad ahead of us if this place come through. And mate, when we got up to, it was after that. We were in four-wheel drive. Admittedly, we were pulling the trailers, but we were in four-wheel drive, like in parts of it. And I thought, mate, how... how, did, how did and and it? this was the other thing too. It didn't look that dirty. Now, I, my, I've always thought, I don't believe I don't believe those blokes came from that way. I reckon they came in from where we did 
turned around and that was a smother of some kind. How <laughs> can we get the birds wool from here? Because there is no way in the world that they'd come from the other the other oh, end. There you go. And I reckon that they'd driven in there and there's a lot to see in there. There's a lot of um like it's a bit like what do they call that thing in America? Section um sector it's fifty one or whatever. Fifty one. Yeah, it's a bit like that in there. It's a, have you ever been in there? I haven't done Walker's Crossing, no. Mate, it's a bit like that. So you, and then all of a sudden you'll come up along perfect bitumen where there's fenced off like for mining and things, like there's companies out there, right? Yeah. But it's a bit like that. It's like that Area 51 and it's like all these no-go zone signs. You don't go in there, no entry, you know. Yeah. We got blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so I was thinking these blokes, I reckon they'd driven in from Birdsville, got to where... Shit, we can't go any further, and turn around and come back out. But what they were doing, I had no idea. Yep. And it was it just and I had a, I had a, a mate, I had a young bloke with me, and another mate behind me. It's actually Rob Coley, and we said, mate, what are these blokes up to? <laughs> uh, they were, I mean, what were you, what are you doing out there? I mean, oh, it was you just, come across some strange stuff out I there. Mean, I know. What, what was his name? Was it what was his old mate name? to drive the Sigma up Birdsville track. Oh, that, yeah, that's... Um, what, Absalom, was it? Jack yeah, Jack Absalom. Absalom. Yeah. yeah, Jack Absalom, who, who did pass away yep. uh, a little while back. Um, he used to do the Burzel track in a Sigma. Yeah. Hey, it was holy <laughs> football. <laughs> hey, and um, he'd tell people how to drive the track and what to take and how much water and all this yeah, stuff. He was. Right. You ever watch his stuff? Yeah, I did, I did. Um, uh, I remember seeing one where he's he's catching yabbies and he's basically jumped out of the car and just walked straight into this dam. Yeah. With a bar of soap, yeah, come up with a handful of yabbies. But he was an accomplished artist as well. Very much so, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I think he's still finding stuff around Broken Hill. Is it a Broken Hill or is it... Broken Hill is that sort of outback artist hub, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, Jack Absalom was out there. Yeah. There's another bloke out there who actually, we were talking about the Royal Flying Doctors earlier, uh, an artist called Howard Steer. Yeah, right. Who, who does a lot of artwork for the Royal Flying Doctors because uh, as a young bloke, he actually got his hand crushed. Yep. And, and they saved it. Yeah, right, So, okay. so basically... You know, he's he's dedicated his life to oh. to raising awareness and raising funds for those guys. Yeah, there you go. Well, um, anyway, so if you're out that way and you see a black Audi sports car coming along your way, ask them what they're doing out there, will you? <laughs> ask that was where a couple of years, that was a couple of years ago. Well, they're probably still out there. Yeah. Oh, mate. I, I mean, you hear of stories out in the outback of some people that go out there, and um, it can be a bit bit weird, and especially when you think, what are you doing and what are you up to. You know, where yeah. people will turn, I'm not going to drop any names, but there was one roadhouse in particular I was talking to one day and they said, we don't scare easy, but these blokes turned up there in a van and um, they went and changed their clothes and then came back out of the toilets in different sort of clothes and then drove off and they thought, what's what are these blokes, what's going on here? Yeah, very, very strange. They said that these blokes are up to no good. It's just amazing what can go on. But, I mean, you talk to... The thing that used to amaze me is when you're out there, is when you come across the blokes on the push bikes. Oh, they're nuts. Fair dinkum nuts. I reckon they are too. That's just crazy. Yeah, I've I've seen I've seen one on the Gun Barrel Highway. Mm. That's a long way from anywhere. Mm. Absolutely long way from anywhere, and he's got the the side bags, a little trailer yeah. off the back, yeah. all the gear. Yeah. Absolutely nuts. I just don't see the. I I cannot see the joy in that at all. No, me either. Um, and I, I mean, I've seen them on the Stewart Highway and and other places where you think, mate, what are you doing? And I mean, we were in Cooper Pedy and we, just for a bit of a thrill for the kids, we booked into one of those underground motels. Yep. And there was a couple parked in the foyer, 
of these bikes where these blokes are driven. I'm, I've ridden rather on the on the push bikes from Darwin. Oh, I mean, mate. But you, you, I mean, fair income. Get a car. You, huh? Oh yeah. You know what? I I think we're just dirty because there's no way in hell that either of us would. Wouldn't be matter riding. how fit I was, mate. It oh, would not matter. I, oh, mean, I think it would. I think it would. What? So no. So you would if you're fit, you'd ride a push bike from Darwin to Cooper Beatty. Oh, you know if 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 the the mate, urge took me, I suppose. Mate, I'm telling you now, I just it's not for me. It's like bushwalking. I don't mind a bit of bushwalking. Um, mate. Not, not, look, I've, I've done, believe it or not, I mean, I have been in the bush and we've camped and we've gone in with backpacks and stuff, but, mate, these people that go bushwalking, look, look, it's, look I know people love it. I, I mean, I know I do know a bloke, actually, who does love it and gets out there. The ones that annoy me are the ones that go out there with no sort of resources with them at all, get lost and then... They, yeah, and then, and expect then, someone else to pay to come and get them. It can take days looking for them. Yeah. You know, I mean, when we go out... Well, that's uh, just stupid. Well, you know yourself. When, when the majority of the people in our community and what we do, they take they take sec, you know satellite communication with them and all sorts of things and e-perbs just go, and you're in a car. Yep, you're in a four-wheel drive. I think it's because four-wheel drivers love gadgets. Oh, man, I think it's well, not really, but I for me it's about at least you've got that, you've got that, you know, something if something goes you see, wrong. See, my my idea of a bushwalk is about a kilometre. Yeah, you know, it's not. You know, maybe yeah, that pull see, me up too. Maybe go see a waterfall or something like that. It's yeah. pretty specky, but don't. Not days on end with, you know, 30, no. 30 kilos of crap on the back. No. You can you, have that. You drive through the Blue Mountains and you see all these cars parked on dirt tracks and stuff. Yeah, like that's right. All the bushwalkers in there yeah. doing their best. They carry those big long cane looking things. Yeah. Yeah, the the walking sticks that look like yeah. s- ski stocks for, yeah. for snow skiing. Oh, man, I can't, I'm not that guy, no. Me either. Me either. Yeah. You know, in the show they made us do quite a few fairly epic walks over the years. Yeah. Um... One that sticks out was a place called Bluff Knoll in WA. Yep. yep. And that was brutal. I, I actually didn't make it. I didn't yeah, turn right. around and go back. It was just a killer. We found <laughs> out later on it was rated in the top 25 <laughs> hardest walks in the country. Uh, I, I, I turned to the producer and I said, have, have a look at me. Come uh, on. Mate, what were you thinking? Yeah, mate, I've got to tell you, when we were in um, we were on Fraser last year and we, we walked down to the Champagne Pools, and I'd had a big night the night before, and then we got down there and looked around and said, all right, let's go. I, looked, I just sort of looked up at the stairway, but I thought, <laughs> mate, you idiot. Oh, that's not too bad. I know it's not too bad. Have but you I ever thought, done the walk to Kosciuszko to the tip? No, you're kidding, aren't you? I've done that one. That was a killer. Yeah, I've that's did, probably I've been, the longest one I've done. I'm going to tell you now, I have been in that region on the back of one of those, uh, what do they call them? Oh, the skidoos. Yeah, <laughs> been on one of them down there. Don't worry about that. Get a Susie Diver. Down in Threadbar, if you're listening to the, and she does listen to the podcast, she gets Susie on the podcast one day. Yeah, we should. Yeah, right. she's a barrel off. And uh, we can get Susie on. She's pretty good friends of ours, so we can get her on. But we went down there to Charlotte Pass Resort, and um, it, that's a bit different because you've got to go. You've got to go in on over snow. You can't drive in there. Yep. And uh, mate, what a great weekend that was! And the boys that took us out on those things. Fantastic. Yeah, I haven't done a skidoo. I reckon that'd be a heap of fun. Would yeah, have been, no, would have been bloody handy the time we walked up to Kosciuszko because it was, it was spring, but there was still quite a bit of snow around. We had to walk through a fair bit yeah. of snow to get there, so it yeah, wasn't really well, prepared for that. We're talking about, check out Susie Diver's Facebook page. She's always there, and they get into the mountain bikes down there. You know the mountain bikes? Oh, I used to be. Yeah? Yeah. You used to do a lot of things, mate. You were an athlete. What happened? Mate, the older I get, the better I was. Yeah. Just ask me. Unbelievable. I mean, kayaking, mountain yeah, biking. Yeah, golf. No? Yeah, no, fair enough. Woody. Yeah, a bit of everything. Yeah, no, fair enough. 
Like Rob Coley, I told you about the golf when he turned up with the old sticks from me, like from a garage sale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Puts the ball on the uh, little tee. I can still play. Whack. I can still play, but nothing like I used to. But yeah, Ruins a good walk golf. Anyway, so talking about tracks, um, the Dowling track between Burke and Thargaminda. You ever been up there? Mate, I, I've been through Burke a million times. Uh, so it basically takes off from North Burke. Yeah, love the place, but I haven't done the Dowling track. We've always seemed to, to head over towards the, the corner or be going the other way towards uh, yeah. Lightning Ridge or something like that. Yeah, I mean, look, it's not it's not one of your iconic tracks by any stretch, but it, geez, it's a good run if you're going. And this is this is for people who are sort of in the um, south, southern states, that you know, in particular from the east coast, who want to head to, say, somewhere like Birdsville or whatever. I mean, it's a great run out through there. You do a little bit of a pub crawl along the way. And I mean, you get up the other side of Ning, and there you get the the Bay Rock to the Mulga Creek Pub, and you have a oh, night I love there. the Mulga Creek Pub. That is a great pub, and then um, you can camp there. With heaps of st- a stack of room out the back. It's even got cabins and all sorts of stuff. They cater for everybody there, caravans and all that. Best cutlets ever. Well, mate, I, no, well, mate, I've actually, I've got to tell you. Well, I'm, I'm going to challenge you on that in a minute. Actually, I've got another one that springs to mind too. The, the they, Hampton Hotel, the halfway house. Well, I'm led to believe the cutlets at the uh, the crumb cutlets at the Tooley Buck Pub. Uh, fantastic, and I will be there in the next few days. So mate, there you go. I've never met a crumb cutlet I didn't love. Yeah. Oh, mate, I've, I've had them when they're gone, mate, you're to waste. But, I mean, I'll tell you the best ones I've ever had, Cronin's Hotel at Jerringong. Yep. Pretty good there. Well, there you go, the old crow. Yeah, and um, that's a bit of a that's – a, that's, you know, that's the high-end part of the menu there, mate, <laughs> uh, in my eyes. Um, forget about the big steaks. And then um, – so anyway, on the on the um, so Tullybuck Pub, I'll be there on a few days. Well, yeah, so They're anyone, preparing themselves down there now. As anyone who's planning to go to the Tullybuck? See you down there. Yeah, Look we'll out change, for me. We'll change your plans. That's my first stop on the way to Adelaide, mate. I'll be uh, driving down to Tullybuck. Yep. A few beers in the pub in the Arvo. I'll get in early, folks. So you back. don't miss out on some cutlets. And, uh, uh, well, I've, well, I've got a funny feeling on the day I'm going, the kitchen's closed. Well, oh, can you believe no. it? Unbelievable. Change your plans. Anyway, no, I can't change your plans. I've got commitments down there. But anyway, we'll, we'll all be good. And then, um, anyway, so, uh, and then from Tullybuck into Adelaide. But um, the Dowling track, I thought I thought it was a great way to, we went that way to go to Birdsville. We went to the Big Red Bash. I've been up there a couple of times now. So when you get to Burke and you get to North Burke and you come to where the old, what is that, Back of Burke Hotel sort yeah. of thing is there on the corner and the, um, and the little takeaway shop there. And just down the road from, if you turn right there, you get down in Kidman's camps down on your right and all yeah, that. Yeah, stay there you're a going couple of to times. right? Well, if you don't turn right and just keep going straight, it becomes a downing track. And it's just this dirt road. But you come into towns like a little ghost town of Ford's Bridge, and it's just a bit of history around there. It's an old Cobb and Co run through there. Yep. And um, and you you drive along the... the um, the scenery is fantastic. It's 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 remote. I mean, it's not. I mean, there's obviously a lot of places, a lot of places more remote than than there. But it's still you're out there, and um, it's a great run. You go up the, and you, you check that out, and then there's plenty of things to see along the way. And then you come to Hungerford, where you've got to pull up, open the gate, and drive to Queensland. Which apparently that gate's there to keep the Queenslanders out of New South Wales, <laughs> or the other way around, depending on who you talk to, and. Um, then you, as soon as you do that, then obviously close the gate behind you. You pull up to the gate and it's got this big sign, you know, Queens, New South Wales, Queensland border. Drive in and then you've got the pub on your left as you drive into Queensland, the Hungerford Hotel. Yep. Mate, it is a beauty. And it's an old, 
that is an old Cobham Co station, and um, plenty plenty of history there. You you walk in, have a few beers, and and um, and have a chat to old mate behind the bar. He's a pretty talk. I can't remember his name. How pretty talkative fella, and tells you all about it. But geez, it's a great part of the world. Just out there, it's yeah. just like even another you time. The Paroo River up there as well, which is gorgeous. Yeah, well, it's like when you're out in these places, it's like you're in another era. Yeah, oh, it is. It's, it is. It's, it's like you've gone back in time. It's like you've just gone back to the forties, <laughs> even beyond, even further. It's like going to Tasmania. Yeah, yeah well, I'll leave that to you. <laughs> yeah, but um, I, I, for me, I, I think that's the attraction to a lot of these places, mate, that we talk about and that we've been to, is because in the big smoke, it's all hustle and bustle and a hundred mile an hour, and everyone's in a hurry and. Everyone's got the shits of each other, and you're getting cut off. And if you need to get out of the traffic, no one will let you in. And yeah, where it's just out there, there's none of that. After spending a few weeks in the outback at a time, and and you come back and get that first set of traffic lights, that's uh, mm. that's a downer, isn't it? Oh, mate, I'm not a fan of any of it. And um, and I think that's the attraction for people to go out there because just get away from all the all the basically what I call the bullshit here. Yeah. In the cities, and uh, although where we are today is not, not really in the city. But, oh, no. But um, it's fairly rural here. I remember Ruthie coming here one day, and he went, mate, he said, if I'd have known about this place, I would have moved to Sydney. Because well, <laughs> I mean, it's on the outskirts, and it's very yeah. rural, you know. Yeah. So he um, he was impressed. But for me, that's the attraction. When you go out and you drive along a dirt road like the Dowling Track, and then to cross the border into Queensland, you've got to open the gate and close yeah, the it's gate. It's all part of the experience. It's all part of it. And Especially um, when you take the kids along and you get them to do it. And yeah. Yeah, that's stuff, stuff they never forget. And then the beauty of that is once you uh, you, you know you stop in and you say good day at the pub and then you um, drive a little bit further, hang a left, and then sort of head towards Thargaminda, you'll come across Kilcarra Station, which, um, which itself is a... Um, a great place to stop and, and spend a few days. I always recommend at least two two nights there. Yep. Minimum. Yeah, well, they've they got some great camping there, haven't they? Next oh, absolutely. Next to the dams and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, still, even, still a little bit of water out there. Even the camp. I know they're doing it tough in regards to, you know, stock and they've, they've, they've offloaded a fair bit of it. Yeah. And um, I think they're dead set just looking at the sky every day. Waiting for it to rain. They've but still got green grass in the backyard. Well, that's because of the uh, yeah the sprinkler system coming yeah. out of the ball, out of the wall water. Yeah, uh, it looks amazing. Yeah, and that's they, they posted and that, something the other day. Well, that's uh, the campground. And what you've got to do if you, when you go and have a shower, there's only one tap. There's no hot or cold. It's yep. just one temperature, which is perfect. Yeah. I don't know how that worked out, but that's the way, way it is. Well, if it's bore water, it's, it's yeah. pretty much how it comes out of the ground. Yeah, it comes out perfect. And what happens is you've got to run the sprinkler for about ten minutes or five minutes or whatever it is before you can let all the real hot water go, before you can go and turn the shower <laughs> on, right? So that's why the water's real green there. And that's... And the grass, that is, and the grass that's, is green. And that's... The, oh, sorry, the uh, the grass. And that's why the... That, that's the campground. Yep. So you've got the, you've got the bush camping and the good the camping out on the on the, on the the dam, or you can camp on the actual... In the camp... Uh, in the designated campground. That explains all the fantastic bird pictures they post as well. Yeah. They're obviously coming in there to... Because that's where the water's going to be every day for them. Yeah, no, she's... Uh, get some amazing bird life there. And they're, they're pretty good, Greg and Tony. And uh, I remember one day we'll sit having a few beers and Greg just comes riding through in his horse, you know, a dusty old Cooper hat on and <laughs> he's a real cowboy and I think uh, I think Greg might have even grown up there, mate. And uh, But geez, they're good hosts, Greg and Tony. Like all the 
stations where you can stay. They're good hosts. Yeah, but there's a little there's a little run for you if you're going that way. And the you want Dowling to track. Well, there you go. Head that's... up the Dowling track. Like I said, stop at Ford's Bridge. You normally pop there and have a bit of lunch or something. Yeah, that's on my list. Make sure down. you take it with you. There's no shops. I mean, it's all it's like a bit of a ghost town. There's not a lot there, but you can see where people used to live and where, where once upon a time that was a community there. Yep. And no longer no longer so. Love it. Uh, so um, there's a little track for you, just the Downing track. And like we say, not a, not a tough one. You can basically do that in a car. Maybe not an Audi sports car, lowered and everything with big wheels. But well, Mate, if they're on the on the walkers crossing, I dare say the Dowling track wouldn't be too much of a stretch. That was one. very sus. That was very, very <laughs> sus that day, I've got to say. The middle of absolutely nowhere. <laughs> you believe it? Oh, mate, they're out there. Don't worry. It's the strangest thing you've seen out in the middle of nowhere. Oh, I remember the first time I came across the Alberry Springs on the Udnadatta track where there's a... A lot of sculptures being made out of things like aeroplanes and VW engines and bits and pieces like that, mm. and it's it's a fair way from from anywhere as well. It's it's not too far from Maree, but Maree's no uh, no thriving metropolis, mm. that's for sure. Mm. Uh, so it's a fair bit of work to get that stuff out there and and put that stuff up. Yeah. Um, came across a, a Macca's sign at the Mungerini Hotel yeah, on the Birdsville. Yeah, track. but I'm in the middle, and I mean that's been they put there purposely. Yeah, that's funny. How many people reckon that's fooled? Oh, a few. Every, for sure. I reckon every kid under fifteen. For sure. <laughs> What's that rock before you go to when you go to uh, to Ayers Rock to Uluru on the way in yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. And uh, old mate Frank from the Walkabout Creek Pub calls it Fooleru. Fooleru. <laughs> <laughs> Where you think oh, I can't think of the name of it oh, now. Yeah, we yeah, Vic, we where's Vic? Where's Vic Widman when you need him? And um, as you're driving out there, you see the rock and you think there it is. Yep. You've just driven for a week longer, two weeks. No, no, no. And you just keep going past it. <laughs> and, uh, I was worded up about it. I can't remember the name of it now. Someone will yeah, tell Yeah, I'm us. just having a quick look. But, um, but anyway, we call it Fooleroo now, thanks to Frank at the Walkabout Creek Pub, because it fools everybody. Fooleroo. <laughs> yeah, that's a cracker. Yeah, he's got them all, mate. Don't worry about that. Jeez, if you get not there today. Oh, mate, you can have that. The, uh, the old Walkabout Creek Pub we got today. You can imagine Frank out the back and sitting back in the cool room just making sure the temperature's right on the beers. Is it Mount Connor? I think it is. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Mount Connor, I think that is it. And uh, it does look like, and, and unofficially known as Fooleroo. Yeah, it does too. I remember the first time we went out there, I thought, oh, I didn't think that was it, but I've gone, well, have a look at this. Yeah. No, well, I was worded up about it. In fact, talk, mentioning Vic Widman, I think Vic actually worded me up. He said, when you see that, just keep going. Just don't, that's <laughs> not it. And Because um, there's a roadhouse just near there. Yeah. Yeah, it is. There, there it is. Look at that. And look, at that, look honestly, for those on the listening, you obviously can't see it, but look it up. Look at that photograph you've just shown me. It does look exactly like Uluru. It's very close, isn't it? Yeah, it's, definitely. You can understand especially why that, people would be fooled. Yeah. So, Fooleru. There yeah, it is. Especially the further away you are. Yeah, the thing, exactly. Like, yeah, the further, the, yeah. I mean, you obviously get close to it. It's nowhere. It's not, but I mean, those photographs there that are taken from a distance, you would swear that it's... Um, that it was. Yeah. Is it Curtin Springs, the roadhouse? You're yeah, I think of? it is. Yeah, yeah stayed there too. Have you? Yeah, yeah, I never camped there. There was a few people camping. The oh, the, when we went out, it was as dry as. Yeah, it was the same when we were there. It was dusty, and I tell you what, it was chockers as well. Yeah. Absolutely chockers. Well, talking about things you trip over when you're out in the middle of nowhere. Coming back out of there, on our way back out of um, out of that Ayers Rock region, right, and we're coming back and going back across to the uh, highway. I noticed the further we went. When we got to that that region in central Australia, there wasn't a lot of roadkill, right? It was it, it was a lot heading as you went, but the further you went, the less of of it there was. It was pretty dry. Anyway, 
it got to the point where there was probably really none. So we're driving back. And you know when you drive along, and they're pretty straight roads out there, I thought, I'm looking in the distance, and I could see something in the distance off the road. And I thought, what the hell is that? And as we got closer, here was a bunch of blokes throwing a dead roo in the boot. <laughs> and I thought, mate, they've gone and got, they've gone and hunted that. Yeah. There was no way, I mean, there wasn't, there was there was no roadkill anywhere. In fact, there wasn't anything for any any grass or anything to, um, any food. To bring, to bring them to the side of the road. No, exactly. Or water or that sort of thing. But at the beginning, I think, what's going on here? It was one of the funniest things I ever saw in my life. I thought, what's get, like, you could just see something going on. And um, in, the, in the boot she went as we drove past. So, uh, mate, happy days. <laughs> There's one of, one of the funny things you'll see. You've seen a Min Min light? No, I haven't. <laughs> yeah, mate, I've got to tell you, I, look, <clears throat> I know people who, who say they have. It's up near Boulia or something, isn't it? Yeah, north of Boulia, yeah. And um, I have seen, look, and I've, I've mentioned this plenty of times on the radio, we were driving between... Well, Kenya and Cobar one night, and um, we were in one vehicle, got another people in the vehicle behind us. And you know, on those straight roads, you'll dip your lights and you mightn't pass them for ages. Oh, it's a shocker. And um, these new lights I've got from Ultravision have got a turn down switch because they're so long, the distance on them lights is so bright. I've only heard good things about those Ultravision lights. Yeah, they're lights. pretty good. Anyway, so I. Um, I got the 180s, and so what? What basically what happens is because the distance is so strong, even though someone might be two kilometres away, they're, you're actually blinding them, so you can turn them down. Yeah. Anyway, we're out there. We're in the middle of nowhere, right? We're in the middle of nowhere. We're between Wilcannia and Cabo. We're driving along, and there was a light coming towards us, which I just presume was a truck. And I've dipped me lights back to low beam and all that stuff, you know. And which is scary out there. Yeah, exactly. Oh, mate, I, I reckon. Well, mate, I'm not, not un, unintentionally. Unintentionally, I probably I've never hit so much wildlife, even a goat. Yeah, same. Um, which I didn't thought hitting a goat would have been a bit difficult. Because they're pretty quick. Yeah, and they're pretty clever um, too. And we got that four wheel drive right behind where you're sitting there. Where we pull the winch out of that bull bay, we'll probably get his horn out from there. It's been there for a few years now. <laughs> um, but. Um, and this light just didn't seem to be getting any closer. So then I've just put the spotties back on. Then I thought, oh, man, I could be blinding this bloke. This was before I had the, the big ultravisions. I had ultravisions. I think I had the 120s then. Anyway, I, so I was dip, I've gone back to low beam again. This light, and I thought, man, how straight's this road? Next thing, the light just went off. Straight off. It could have been a truckie parked on the side of the no, road. No. So my mate behind me says on the CB... Did you see that light? You know what my reply was? What light? <laughs> so, Freak him out. So anyway, he's going, you would have seen. I said, mate, I didn't see the light. So what I did then, and it was obviously in the middle of the night, I kept an eye on the Hema and looked for side streets. There was none. There wasn't, you, you couldn't even see. I never saw anything where the light, wasn't as if the light had turned, as yeah. if you'd see it turn off, it just went off. So and there was no trucks parked or anything parked up ahead. The, mm -hmm. the next lights I saw were K bar. Wow! And I, I don't know what it was, but anyway, it was a bit strange. And uh, to this day, my mate who was travelling behind me, he thinks he's the only one who saw it. So there you go. <laughs> I never ever told him. 
Uh, and, and good stuff, Bessie. <laughs> that run between Ningen and Narromine, I find that's a shocker for, for lights off in the distance. Mm. Uh, and it'll take 10 minutes mm. before you can turn your lights back on. Yeah, right, okay. That's just the worst. Yeah, we, we talked about the Mulga Creek pub before at Byrock. That raid between Ningen and Burke, that, oh, that's not <laughs> one of my favourite raids either. I, that, I reckon that road is home to half Australia's kangaroo population. Yeah, and, and I reckon if you look, you'll see CV joints growing into the dirt and the weeds. <laughs> it can be a bit rough out there. But um, but anyway, it's just the way it is. But yeah, that, that road there, that's, that, that is, you, mate, you're probably right. Well, you've got it's, these great big gutters off the side of yeah. the road where they've graded and holds yeah. a bit of water and a bit of moisture. Yeah, when it rains out there, yeah. So that's why it, it attracts the roos to the side of the road. I wish there. had some rain out there now, mate. There's always a little bit of green stuff floating around. There's always a, a puddle here or there. Mm. And it doesn't take much. Yeah, I reckon they'd be. Um, I reckon they'd be wishing they had a bit of rain out there right now. Oh, too right. Oh, they're doing it tough. Geez, the place is as dry as chips, and it's amazing when you think that we could do a whole lot better as a as a um, as a as a as a as a country. And I'm talking about the government, really. I mean, we've dropped the ball on this. I mean, there's been no. When you think Bradfield, when he designed the Harbour Bridge way back when in the 30s. He designed that bridge. Look at the size of the thing, right? Yep. The Sydney Harbour Bridge, right? He back them days were horse and carts and the odd car, but he built a bridge wide enough for all those lanes. How many lanes are on there? About eight, eleventy, right? <laughs> yeah, with train lines, the whole bit. He knew that yeah. the population was going to be huge. Then he had the Bradfield system to water the country, and never did anything with it. Yep. Where are the Bradfields of today? Yeah, we have dead set. another bloke with foresight. We have dropped the ball. And then and now we're starting about talking about building dams. It'll take a... That's not going to happen overnight. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, mate, we've dropped the ball. The, and the, the horse is bolted. And I think the big... The thing that I think that really gives people the shits is we don't mind being a bit generous, but when we're donating money for absolute crap, um, yeah, that's, that's you right. know, I mean, we're, we're, you know, we're funding wind farms and all this sort of shit. We're going to Mars. And... Um, you know, I mean, look, there's obviously some sort of reason for that. There must be some jobs in it or something. But I mean, when you, we've got to start. We, we've got to start going back to the old philosophy. We are generous and we're happy to help where we can. But charity starts at home. And when you look at some of the subsidies that some people get paid these days, and and um, and some of the things that we tip money into as a country, we should be tipping that money straight into the pockets of these people who were who were at the moment taking their breeding stock to slaughter. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, hello. I mean, that's not good. It's not pleasant at all, is it? No, definitely not, because once the breeding stock's gone, so is the, so is the industry. Well, you're starting again, yeah. Mm, so um, it's very, very difficult. We need to do something about it, and this should be a massive wake-up call to um, to governments in this country. They, they need to get their head around the fact that it's actually our money. Not theirs, Yeah, it's, it's well, our money. They it's need a, to go and spend some serious time out there. And well, I mean, that is and one I mean, thing. That, you know what that, and that, I mean, live out there. It, doesn't that shit you? That they, I mean, you hear them do things, and we've been in in communities, in particular in, in Indigenous communities, go out and have a look and, and help some of these people that might need help. Yeah. Some of them actually don't need help. No, that's right. Right, you know what I mean? But there are, but I mean, there are people in all in all communities in all parts of Australia, including the city, that need help. Yep. But don't be an expert and make big decisions sitting in an office in, in the big smoke when you haven't been out there and spent some time out there and had a look. Yeah, and don't, and don't do the, you know, the... The customary thing they do just for the cameras and rock up in a, you know, in a 
a light aircraft or something yeah. and, and get off spend, with the, the, spend 20 minutes there for the cameras and then bugger off again. With the crispy Akuba on. Yeah, go, <laughs> I mean, go spend two weeks out there and see what it's actually like. Yeah, you know? yeah even longer. And, and he's a tip, drive out there. And talk to people. Yeah, drive out there. Talk to real people. Yeah, I think that's where Morrison won a few arts. I mean, he's in caravan parks and drinking in pubs down the south coast at Christmas time. When he went to Julia Creek, and you've got to give him credit for some things he's done, He's got out of the. He's gone up there to look at when they had their big floods up there, their big storms. He's wearing a Cronulla Sharks cap. He didn't get out with the traditional brand new Akubra. Yeah. Well, look, there's no accounting know. for taste. I mean, he didn't. Well, mate, I, I've <laughs> got to say, well, not that I'm a Sharks fan, but at least he didn't do what they yeah. they usually do. The, the token Akubra that. They well, the bloke once. that was, you know, so they think they're a farmer and they're out there with the R and Williams gear on and all that. I mean, fair dinkum. I mean, and people see through that. Yeah, of course. And sorry to our mates at Akira because we don't want to be uh, sound like we're running down the product. We love. Mate, it. I've got, as you know, I've got three of them here, mate. Yeah, well, I've got a couple as well. And, yeah, um, well, mate. A lot of people say, you know, when you wear them, I'm going to tell you now. For some, and I, I do have one, um, which I keep in the car all the time, and uh, it's not for any other reason for the fact that I've had about forty skin cancers removed off my head, a real big one off my ear. Yep. And uh, mate, I don't care. Yeah, I'll absolutely. Uh, mate, it's, it was, when I had the thing come up on my ear, I said to the bloke, what do you reckon this is? He goes, I don't think, he actually said, I don't think it's much, but we'll just take a biopsy of it, which was bad enough. Needle straight into the back of the ear. Yeah. And it had come from nowhere. It was just like, not there one day and there the next, and it sort of wasn't getting any smaller. And then me being me, I just scratched the thing off. <laughs> it had bleed everywhere. <laughs> and then the missus nagged me. You've got to go and get that checked. Yeah, you do, mate. You can't. Can't be... Anyway, when I went and had it checked, the bloke said, I don't think it's anything. I think it's this. He said some fancy name for it. He said, but we'll get it. We'll get it tested anyway. Mate, the bloke brings me back in a mad panic about a week later. Where have you been? I said, what? He goes, well, you were supposed to come back to get your results. I said, well, there's Bluey. On your Blue. <laughs> he's off. And I, he's into it. Anyway, so I said... I said to him, I mean, you told me you didn't think it was going to be anything. He said, yeah, but I did tell you I was going to get tested. He said, mate, that's a pretty dangerous skin cancer. We're to get rid of that. And when I went in, to get, I shit myself. Yep. I, I said, but I'll come in now. I drove straight <laughs> in there. <laughs> so anyway, here's a lesson for people out there. Don't ignore this stuff because you know what he said to me? He goes, mate, if you'd have let that go, he said, in six months you would have been probably pretty crook. And he goes, within a year, that could have even made its way to your brain. And oh, I, I, don't mean, know, I don't know about that. And all I said to him, I well, said, well, mate, it'll be the first thing that's ever done that. I said, but... <laughs> But it just goes to show. So, it's mate, a, wear a, a hat. It's a skin cancer, not a miracle. Yeah, wear a hat, you know. Yeah, that's right, and, absolutely. Um, and that's the thing. I don't know how... Well, we do get sidetracked on this, don't we? Yeah. I mean, because we were supposed to be talking about whatever, and we've gone from politicians wearing... And, they, I mean, they're not wearing the hats for skin cancer. They're just wearing the hats so they look good no. at the pub when they're in there. And here's another one. I reckon apart from Barnaby Joyce and a few others, how many of those pollies when you see them, and, you know, what was that, Blake? Remember him? Turnbull. Yeah, he would. You know, he's in there, you know, like knocking down a schooner. Now, look, I'm not making any accusations here, but I, I reckon it might reckon it might have been light beer. Turnbull, I reckon it would have been non-alcoholic beer. Eh? It might have even been cider. I don't know. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, you'd know about that. But um, but anyway, but um, I think Barnaby gets into the skewies. Oh, no doubt. Eh? He's a loose unit. Eh? Were you watching the telly when uh, on the last election when he they, they brought him up because he'd won his seat? Mm. No. no, it looked like all, it looked like all the people around him were. Geez, on you haven't got much on if you're watching election night, mate. I love the election night. Oh, mate, fair income. I know. I did, it beggars belief. I don't understand mm. it. 
I'm not necessarily into politics, but for some reason I enjoy watching that. Yeah, and and just some like his speech was was loose as. Yeah, yeah, you but know, and he stuck the knife into a few people. It was good to see. And yeah, I know he doesn't mind slipping the booty. In. But you know what? I don't mind him so much. I mean, they've all got their faults. Some of some of them have got bigger faults than others. Oh, look, they're all people at the end of the uh, day, mate. They all a lot of them got into it with their heart in the right place, but um, yeah, I think some of them did. Now they're more worried about covering their own ass these days and doing the actual job that they're there to do. But um, and, and I think that and that that's been evident in the last few years. I reckon doing deals with you know yeah. Look, and I I've met a few over the years as well that are strictly in it for themselves. Yeah, um, you know they they just want to be career politicians because of the perks and the coin and. And the the alleged prestige that that comes with yeah, that, mate. You got if you're in there to represent people, you got to you got to represent people, and you got to so, want to do it that way. You know, mm, there's a anyway, couple of good ones around. I don't want to talk about politics anymore. Nah, it's depressing. It is depressing, eh? Hey? It is depressing. Yep. Anyway, so we'll get off that. Well, mate, I reckon uh, we're just about done. We will quickly chat about the Adelaide Four Wheel Drive Show. Yes, the Adelaide Four Wheel Drive Show. Um, Have you so ever been to Adelaide Show? I haven't been to the Adelaide Show. I've done the Perth one, and obviously I've done all of the Sydney ones. Yeah. Perth is just mind-blowing. Yeah. Well, Perth, it's funny. I was talking to Woodsy, and uh, I'm going to Adelaide. I'll be, the Adelaide. The show's on, um, starts on Friday the 25th. I'll be in Adelaide on the Monday uh, because we've got some commitments there with Woodsy. We're going to run around and do some stuff. But he tell, he's telling me that the the Perth show is a two week setup. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. So uh, it's massive. So massive. The, now the beauty of this is this year will be the first year I'm doing the Perth show. Yep. So you've done that, so you know what I'm in for. But they reckon it's an absolute humdinger. Well, mate, you got to think about it. all these all these uh, people in WA. They sort of get left out a little bit, you know. Mm. So, so when something good does come to town, mm. they don't miss out. It's big over there, though, mate. They Ronnie Dale and all those blokes. They flock to it like you wouldn't believe, yeah. mate. Graham's from over there, Cahill. Yeah, that's I mean, right. it's you know what I find funny it is, is just big. about every car seat company in Australia is in WA as well. Yeah, the like car seat covers. Yeah. They all seem to come from over there. Yeah. What do you think? We we talked about daylight savings. How much we like it. The the one thing that is a bit of a pain is the time difference. Oh, you've got especially what, if you're four doing things going on. If you're doing you know business or doing things with people in the state, which we do a lot of, yeah, that is a that is a real punish. Yeah, well, it's been a, already a couple of times this year. I've I've called some people in Brisbane at uh, at what is eight o'clock in the morning for them. Yeah, yeah, well, that's not too early. Oh, well, it's not business hours though, is it? Oh, mate, I'm 24-7, mate, I don't know about you. I mean, if you want to make yeah, it quick, you've got to... Yeah, that's fine, but if you're talking to someone in corporate land, yeah. you, you don't expect them to be at work. No, no, mate, if they're in corporate land, they're getting paid corporate money, pick the phone up and answer it. <laughs> Fair I mean, enough. Well, mate, that's just the way it is. I mean, mate, at the end of the day, some of these people are on massive coin. Like, yeah. yeah pick up the phone, answer the phone. That's why you've got the thing. Well, we're going to talk about phones. We'll have to do that uh, on the next podcast. But, um, no, mate, I, I'm not, and, mate... And, uh, how many, nothing annoys me more than people that don't return phone calls or emails. Yep, absolutely. I've never been big on email. I no. mean, I've got them. I mean, obviously I use them. Everyone has to use them now. I'll tell you what used to be really funny was when we were, you know, in the big, you know, in the, uh, when I was in the office every day in the, in the radio station. I mean, you, you'd be sitting there and you'll, 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 you get an email from someone sitting behind you. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, are you, for fair, are you fair dinkum? I mean, just get up and, and, and just turn around and say, oh, mate, duck. It's a different world we live in these days, mate. Oh, mate, fair dinkum. There needs to be a paper trail oh, so they can cover their backside. And that's say, what yeah, it is. Yeah, I did, I did tell the duck that, that yeah. that was due oh, yesterday. Oh, mate, 
I learnt that. It's not my fault. I, look, I'm not going to go into the detail, but I did learn that in a big way. Yep. All right, where there was a thing, that a deal we were doing for someone and it fell through and I said, mate, we spoke about this and the reply to me was, mate, can you just, I can't remember it, can you send me the email? And I thought, you've got me. Yeah. And we I, spoke about it. I didn't uh, email you. Yeah. Yeah, mate, hello. I mean, yeah. none of us here have got Alzheimer's. It's become the big cop out. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Oh, mate, I don't, oh, mate, can you just forward me the email trail? Yeah. Oh, mate. I, I do everything so, by email yeah. these days for yeah, that reason. Look, I that and I've got a bad memory. Well, I think what happens is I'm big on even like on, and we'll talk about this next week too. On the emails and on computers, you got do you use the electronic? Do you use the diary on your no, calendar and all that? I like the idea of it, and, and every now and then I'll I'll make a little pack with myself that I'm going to start doing it, but I never do. Mind you, somewhere, mate, I don't use that. I mean, you'd be sitting there and you get a calendar invite for some meeting. Yep. And I think, mate. Okay, I'm going to have to activate my calendar. Here's a tip. Just say to me, mate, are you around next Tuesday at 8 o'clock? Yep. I'll tell you whether I can be there or not. And then, mate, look, I'll, uh, I mean, I've got two meetings this afternoon. I can tell you now that they're not even written down in the... I've actually got a paper diary. So it's a week. It, and you open the thing up and it's got the full week. Yeah. It's just look, the size of an A4 book. I, I've, had, case. I've had a, a whole bunch of false and, starts with those as well. And I just write down in write down what I've got on. And um, it's good that way because sometimes I might forget, like if it's in, I mean, I was at a meeting yesterday and the wife said, mate, can you tell us what you've got on next year? I said, I can tell you when I get home because then when I can flick through next year and then I can say, oh, yeah, in, in July I'm off doing this or I'm yeah. doing that. Mate, the system I've got that works really well is I'll just tell the missus. Yeah. She doesn't forget anything. Yeah, no, well, they certainly don't forget anything. <laughs> She's got a memory you. like a bloody elephant. No, they certainly that. do, mate. They've got very, very good memories. But anyway. All right, we can ravel on here all for hours. We better get going, mate. Well, that was all right. So the Royal Flying Doctor Service? Yeah, as a, as a cracker to find out uh, this was one bloke's idea that someone else thought would, would work and brought it to fruition. It's yeah. just amazing. Yeah, Shame you sure. never got to, to live to see the success of it. Yeah, all right. And um, like we say, the four-wheel drive show is on next week, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. So I'll give you the date. It is October 25th. For people who are heading to it, on the Saturday night of the show, straight after the show on the Saturday Young Sam Isles from Built Not Bought has got Show Your Dirt Adelaide, South Australia version. And that's going to be huge. Mate, it was huge in Sydney. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Mate, it was two hours to get in there. Yep. Unbelievable in Sydney. No one had heard of it before, first time, and he's putting it on in Adelaide as well. So on the Saturday, straight after the show, the Show Your Dirt is on. And basically what that means is if you own a four-wheel drive, you're in South Australia... You can display your your own personal drive, your daily drive. Yeah, that's right. It doesn't even matter if, what it even is. if it's not a daily drive, it can be on. It can be towed in on a trailer. Yeah, it doesn't matter what it is. Yeah, it and uh, be, uh, and it's about sharing ideas. You might yeah. look at someone's four wheel drive and go, "Oh, geez, that look good on mine." And exactly right. You know, yeah, you, you've got a Colorado, and you rock up, and you you can see three others that have been done different ways, and you get some ideas yeah. for yours. It's all about inspiration. What's about the real four wheel drives, mate? Ah, oh, turn it up. Anyway, they're all good, mate. They're all good. Whatever it is that gets you out there. I'm into it. I don't care if it's a Mitsubishi, if it's a Holden, a Ford, Toyota. I'll get you one of those Chinese jobbies. A cherry. A what? A cherry. What's a cherry? Cherry's a Chinese one. Yeah? Yeah. Havel, one of them. I've never heard of them. Fair dinkum. No. Mate, you've got to get out from under the rock. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah, I know. I'll race down and buy one now. Yeah. yeah no dramas. <laughs> All right. Look up the road's got one. Wouldn't look out of place next year, old Navarra's. No? Yeah, the Navarra's are good to know about that. Yeah, yeah there you are. Turn, it's turned into a boneyard here, mate. Oh? It's turned into a boneyard here. Why is that? There's so many Navaras. Oh, well, we've got three here at the moment, but one, but it'll be it'll be reduced to two once we 
um, we do some uh, take some things off one of them, but um, mate, they're pretty good vehicles. I've got to say, I, I never ever really, I've never a Nissan or a Toyota man at no, all. I, I'm I'm not brand um, affiliated in any but, way. But um, for me, it was about what I thought was getting good value for the dollars. But obviously, we've modified them heavily. I mean, especially the one out. I mean, both of the ones that were here today. I mean, they're nowhere near what's standard. I no. Mean, um, I mean, I, I think when you look at the strut, we've got one here that is standard at the moment, which won't be for long. I mean, the size of the struts and the things like that, you think, mate, you're kidding. Yeah, they look like push bike pumps, don't they? Yeah, they do, yeah, mate. Just yeah, tiny little yeah, things. Yeah, they do. So, um, but obviously, yeah, so we're in the middle of all the, or not in the middle of it, we're just starting to get that thing sorted out. That's the young bloke's new wheels. We've only got a few weeks to get that done. He's off to Fraser. Yeah, lovely, lovely. Yeah, so, uh, mate, well, look, how, how about all the people out there that are listening? Tell us tell us what you're driving. Send us a photo to info at ricoandtheduck.com.au. We'd love to see what you're, you're cruising around in, what you go bush in. That's the go. Send us, send us your setup. Yeah, anyway, show us. All good. We'll so, steal um, your ideas and then tell everyone they're ours. Yeah, no, happy days. We're going to organise a couple of competitions with some prizes too. So I spoke to our mate from EcoPots yesterday. He'll give us some pots to give away. Oh, beautiful. He's a good man. I've had an association with him for a while. Yeah, they're think. a good thing. Hey? They're a good thing. Oh, they're tops. I used mine the other week. We were down at Wiseman's. I know we're supposed to be going now. We are down at Wiseman's <laughs> Ferry Camp down at Wiseman's. And on one day, the weather just turned crap. And it was freezing and it was about, I think it was 14 degrees and drizzle. Yep. On one one particular, one day it was like 25. The next day it was 14 and, yeah. and, and drizzle rain, right? Yeah, that's, that's spring in Sydney, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's just the way it is. So anyway, so what happened was he mates, he had a camp oven there. And um, so he, he planned to do that anyway. And I I had in the van, which I keep in here, is one of the eco pots. So, mate, I knocked up a chicken casserole, the whole thing, mate, and it just cooked yep. with no power all afternoon. Just let it go. Mate, it was beautiful. Oh, and yes. I was actually telling my mate, I said, I did this. And he sort of started to take the, the piss out, out of it. Yeah. yeah. And I said, mate, did you use, I said, he goes, well, so you're telling me how good you went with the rice in the pot. I said, mate, did you do your rice in chicken stock? He just looked at me. I said, gotcha, mate. <laughs> it was actually an idea we missus got from somewhere, I think. But it was good. But uh, no, they are a good thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. mate, I can imagine a couple of lamb shanks in one of those. Happy days. Mate, the beauty of them is when you go on a trip, I'm one of these people that like to get out of town, get out of Dodge. Yep. So you do a big day the first day, as many Ks as you can. Get yep. going. So when you pull up, how good is it to just pull up, open the ego pot, and tea's cooked? Yeah, that'd be great. It's been cooking in the back of the car while you've been driving. Love it. That's Love how it. good they are. Check them out, ecopot.com.au. Well, we'll have some to give away. Check on the, I think there's the duck icon. You check on the duck button and you get a discount. There you go. Look at you. You've got friends in high places, I hope mate. that still works. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. It used to, the duck outback special, I think it's called. Get on there. Uh, beautiful. All right, mate. Well, let's wrap this up. All right, we're out of here. So uh, what we'll do, um, we'll come back and do it all again next week. We'll Next week, and we'll get onto that uh, thing with the um, the phones, maybe. Yeah, let's do that. Let's All do right. that. All right, mate. I'm off to the pub. So am I, the Tully Buck Pub. See you down there, Scotty. Get the land, get the uh, crumb cutlets going for me. <laughs> that is the Red Dirt Podcast for this week. It was all over the shop, and we sort of spoke about nothing, really. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back to do it all again next week. This has been a Blue Collar Media production. We'll catch you next week. Don't forget, send us an email through the week as well, and we'll respond to that. Until then... See you next week.